to think for a few moments about those verses. But before we do that, let me pray. Uh, Dear God, as we come to look at your word now, just please uh, give us concentration to see the things that you want us to see from it. Help me to be clear-minded and faithful to your word and help all of us uh, to be encouraged tonight about uh, the work of the risen King Jesus. Amen. Friends, did you ever watch that show last year on uh, Prime TV called Where Are They Now? I think Mel and Koshy, they were, who hosted it. Where are they now? Basically, it was a show where they picked all these people who used to be famous, people who used to be in the news a lot, uh, who used to be stars, but who nowadays don't get all that much attention uh, about them anymore. And the idea of the show was that they would tell us all about what it is that these people had been up to lately. Uh, Where are they now? Stuff like the guy who played Darth Vader in the first Star Wars movie. Uh, He's now running a fitness centre in London. Uh, The girl who played Liesl in The Sound of Music, that's the oldest one, isn't it? Liesl, was it? I am 16 going on 17, yeah, yeah. Uh, She's now an interior decorator and she fitted out Michael Jackson's house. Uh, Stuart Diver. (laughs) Stuart Diver, the sole survivor of the Threadbow landslide disaster. He's now working mainly as a ski instructor. He lives in a house just above the disaster site where he looks down on it. And he's very, very actively involved in the Salvation Army. Where are they now? Now, friends, I mention this because I'd like us to think through what it is they, they might have said about Jesus Christ if he was ever to appear on a show like Where Are They Now? I mean, last week we thought about the amazing news that Jesus died on the cross took a punishment for us so as to secure us an eternal life beyond the grave that we don't deserve. But of course, that's not the end of the story. If we kept reading through John's Gospel, we would have seen that Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus has remained alive ever since. Jesus of Nazareth is alive and well this very day. So what's he actually been spending his time doing? It's been 2,000 years since he first came back to life. So what's he been up to? While you're at work today, while you're at school today, whatever you were doing today, what was Jesus doing today? I want us to think about that over the next few weeks here at Tuesday Church. Uh, That's our topic, what on earth is Jesus up to? And as we go through the book of Acts to see some of the things that he's up to, I hope that you'll be in excited by this topic because we're going to discover that that you and I are actually caught up in what Jesus is doing. You and I actually have a part to play in what Jesus is currently doing in this world. All of which I think we can start to see even here in uh, chapter 1 of the book of Acts, perhaps especially so in chapter 1 because the way the book of Acts operates is that chapter 1 is pretty much a summary chapter of the entire book. Uh, Chapter 1 pretty much sets the scene for everything else that is going to happen in the book, particularly if you think about these opening few verses under the headings of the who, the what, and the where of these verses. The who, the what, and the where. Firstly, the who. Look with me again at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Once you notice here in that opening verse that Acts is very clearly the second volume of a two-volume work. 
See that? Luke is writing to a bloke called Theophilus. No one's really quite sure who he is. But be that as it may, Luke mentions a former book here that he's written to him. That's a reference to Luke's gospel, which was also written to this same Theophilus. If you go back some time, look at the first few verses of the book of Luke, you'll see that that also is written to Theophilus. And so the point is Luke and Acts are two books that go together. They ought to be read together. Uh, Our Bibles are actually very dumb in sticking John's gospel in between the two of them. Uh, Acts and uh, Luke and Acts go together, I know, like Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 2. They're two volumes of the same thing. They focus on the same topics, and in particular, they focus on the same person. Because did you notice the wording of that verse 1 again? In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. The implication is that this second book of Acts, it's all about what Jesus continues to do and teach. In other words, this book that we call the Acts of the Apostles, some of you might have that in your Bibles, that was um, a title that was given to it hundreds of years after it was written. But the book that we often call the Acts of the Apostles would be better called the Acts of the Risen Christ because that's what it's about. At its heart, it's all about what Jesus does not so much what the apostles do. In fact, if verse 1 wasn't enough in implying that, uh, the first chapter is crammed with events that illustrate that uh, Jesus is the one pulling the strings on everything. In verse 2, he describes the disciples as being, it describes the disciples being explicitly chosen by Jesus, being given instructions by Jesus, uh, being told where to go, where to wait for, how long to wait for. And as the chapter goes on, it is clearly Jesus who is directing everything. Because it's a book about Jesus. It's what Jesus, the risen Christ, continued to do and teach. Now, I know I've used this uh, sort of illustration before, but it, but it works for the point. It's a bit like a football coach. See, uh, a soccer coach. When Stuart first uh, started playing soccer in the under fives, if you've ever watched that sort of elite level of soccer, you realise that it's basically a huddle of kids that move up and down the field like a swarm of bees. And as they play, they have no idea of positions. They have no idea of which way they're running or who they've got to pass the ball to. And so the coach in the under fives is actually on the field with them. Have you seen that? And the coach runs up and down on the field alongside the team, pointing out to these kids, you know, kick the ball that way. No, no, he's not on your team. Put the butterfly down. And the coach is on on the field reminding them what to be doing. When you get to the big games, though, if you watch English soccer, that's not what happens. The team runs onto the field, the coach comes out the tunnel with them, but then the coach goes up to the grandstand and he controls the game from that vantage point way above the field. And, you know, if you're watching it on telly, every now and then they'll cut to the coach and he's on the phone uh, speaking down the line to his messengers and he's sending down instructions and he's ensuring that they stick to their game plan and he's changing tactics when they need to be and he's pulling off certain players and he's putting on a substitute. Uh, Just because he's up on the stand doesn't mean he's not in the game. In fact, that's the place where the coach has the most impact. Now, that's the picture of Jesus in the book of Acts. In the Gospels, he was on the field. But in Acts, he's up in the grandstand. 
And from there, he is actually in more control than ever before. He's now ascended to he- uh, above the heavens and all authority of heaven and earth has been given to him. He is powerfully in control. And so what happens through the book of Acts is that Jesus, like a coach, intervenes, changes strategies, calls players off, puts on a substitute, raises up new players at critical moments. Luke's gospel is all about what Jesus sorry Luke's gospel is all about what Jesus began to do and teach acts is what he continues to do and teach it's about the risen Christ's ongoing work and because of that it gives us an insight into what he's still doing nowadays because having sorted out the who of these verses let's think about the what the topic that's at the to- at the center of the book look at this look now at verse 3 After his suffering, he, Jesus, showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, that's the last phrase that I want want you to notice, the last phrase. What is it that Jesus spent his time talking to his disciples about after his resurrection? He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, friends, that is the what of the entire book of Acts. It's it's all about the kingdom of God. Skip across to the very last chapter of the book of Acts. Skip across, keep going to your right till you hit chapter 28. Chapter 28, go to the very last verse of the entire book. It's a verse that describes what the Apostle Paul spent his time doing when he was in Rome, when he lived out his life in Rome. Look what it says, 28, 31. Boldly and without hindrance, he, that is Paul, preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Jesus start out in Acts talking about? It's the kingdom of God. What does Paul finish out the book of Acts talking about? It's the kingdom of God. And those bookends signal to us that it's the kingdom of God that is essentially what the book of Acts is all about. Jesus is the who. He is the person at the center of the book. The kingdom of God is the what. That is the topic at the center of the book. Now, of course, that's easy to say, but what is the kingdom of God? It's a vague sort of term in some ways. Essentially, the kingdom of God is the domain, the influence that Jesus now has as God's risen king. That's what a kingdom is. I looked up kingdom in the dictionary. It said, quote, the realm under the control of a certain person. A kingdom is the realm under the control of a certain person. So the kingdom of God is a shorthand way of talking about the realm that is now under the control of this risen Christ, this risen king. And you see, that's what Jesus was spending his time talking to his disciples about. He was teaching them all about the fact that now that all, heaven, now that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, he spent time telling them how he was going to exercise his authority. He spent time telling them how, what he was going to do now that he is the ruler of the world. And that's what Acts is about. The who is Jesus, the what is the kingdom of God. It's all about what King Jesus continued to do and teach concerning the kingdom that has now been given to him. It's all about what King Jesus continued to do and teach concerning how he was now going to rule the world now that he's been made king of the world. And what you find is that what King Jesus is going to do 
is that he plans to exercise his rule and his dominion and his power at this present moment in time. He's going to express his authority by spreading the message about him. Because as the news of Jesus spreads, as the news of Jesus reaches men and women and boys and girls, that is how Jesus is going to bring them into his kingdom. That's how he's ruling this world at this very moment. King Jesus is reigning by saving people, saving them out of bondage of evil through the spread of the gospel. That simple, quiet process of people like you and I passing along the message of the news about Jesus, when we do that, cosmic things happen. That's how Jesus is exerting his rule as the king over this, over this world. Because as the message about him goes out, people pass from death into life. Which brings us to the where of these verses. Look at verse 6. So, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, clearly the disciples are expecting Jesus' rule. They're expecting the kingdom of God to be all centralised in the nation of Israel. Uh, In their thinking, kingdom of God equals kingdom of Israel. Jesus has much bigger fish fish to fry than that. Look at verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Very clearly, King Jesus wants the news about him to not just stay with Israel, but to spread everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And you see, if Jesus is the who of Acts, and the kingdom of God is the what of Acts, that phrase, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that's the where of Acts. Because that phrase pretty well sums up what's going to happen in the rest of the book. As the news about Jesus just spreads out in ever-increasing circles, like you might drop a, a stone in the water and, you know, the ripples move out, that's what happens in the book of Acts. As the ripples of the news of Jesus' death and resurrection just actually sends shockwaves throughout the entire world, firstly into Jerusalem, then into the rest of Judea, then into Samaria where there are half-caste Jews, and then to the very ends of the earth. And that's what the rest of Acts will describe for us over these next few weeks. This four-stage progress of the news about Jesus spreading out. And, and it's actually the fact that every time it spreads out into a new, fa- into a new sector, there's an there's a outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When the news about Jesus hits Jerusalem, the Spirit is poured out at Pentecost in spectacular form. We'll, we'll think about that next, uh, next Tuesday. But then when the news about Jesus jumps out into Samaria, you get another unusual pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And then again, some, and then when it goes out beyond that to, to the Gentiles, you get another outpouring of the Holy Spirit in an unusual, spectacular way to signal that Jesus' gospel has just jumped another barrier, an important barrier. But we're jumping ahead. We'll get more to that over the next few weeks. For now... I just want you to see that this opening chapter is introducing us to the who, the what, and the where of the book. Acts is all about the ongoing work of King Jesus as King Jesus extends his kingdom through the worldwide spread of the news 
about him. And there's actually a sense of urgency to it. Did you notice that, say, in um, verse 9? After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They looked intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now that last verse, that's a reference to Jesus' final return. It's a reference to the day when King Jesus will actually come back and establish his kingdom in full. It'll be a time of judgment for the wicked. It'll be a time of uh, eternal life for those who have turned to follow King Jesus. That day is coming and the apostles are told with just a hint of rebuke, well, why are you standing around looking at the sky? There's a job to be done, so guys, get on with it. You know the game plan. What the world needs to hear about is King Jesus before it's too late. So get into it. Spread the word to the ends of the earth before it's too late. And look, I reckon that's where the challenge and the excitement comes in for us because this is where you and I get to fit into this. We're not apostles. We don't have that unique period to, uh, situation in history. But what we are seeing is at the heart of King Jesus is that he wants everyone to hear about him before it's too late. And so we also have the privilege of when we point people to Jesus, even in our small ways, we're actually being involved in something very big. We're playing a part in King Jesus exerting his rule over the world as he calls men and women into his kingdom. We get to pass on a message that has been transforming people's lives in every single country for hundreds and thousands of years. According to recent statistics, one-third of the world's population call themselves Christians. One-third of the world call themselves Christians. And that proportion is increasing every single day because the number of evangelical Christ, the, the growth of evangelical Christians is currently four times the rate of the world's growth population rate. Despite the much publicised growth of Islam, the worldwide growth of evangelical Christians worldwide is actually twice as fast as the growth of Islam. Despite the publicised decline of people in, uh, attending churches, in Sydney this Sunday, far more people will attend churches than all the attendances of every cricket match, of every cricket code added together. And yet you'll hear nothing of what the Christians are doing on a Sunday, but you will read a lot about the cricket in the paper. In the time that you have been listening to me talk tonight, in just that time, over 2,000 people have become Christians. It's about two to three a second. So then that's another two or three. And now there's just been another two or three. Friends, we are caught up in something very, very big. When I was at high school, if you'd have told me that I'd be a Bible teacher when I grew up, I would have laughed at you. Yet that is the sort of stuff that King Jesus has been spending his time doing ever since his resurrection. He takes the most unlikely people and he transforms them and he, and, he, and he saves us and he reigns over us. That is what King Jesus has been doing ever since his resurrection. And we get to have a part of it. 
as you head off to school tomorrow, if you head off to work tomorrow, uh, know in your heart that as you seek to tell your friends about Jesus, as you seek to support friends through a Bible college, as you come along here to Tuesday Church and offer hospitality to the new people, as you sit alone in your room praying to God for your unbelieving parents or your unbelieving children or your unbelieving friends, as you nervously talk to your friends about Jesus, as you offer them a Christian book to read, please know that you are part of something incredibly big. You are part of the ongoing outworking of King Jesus. And being a Christian may be many, many things, but I'm telling you it is never, ever small scale. Because ever since his resurrection, King Jesus has been spending his time expanding his kingdom just through the simple spread of the news about him. We get to do that. I'll pray. Father, thank you that your son has risen, that he's alive this very day, this very moment, and that as every, tick, as every second ticks by, your son is bringing men and women and boys and girls around the world into his kingdom. Father, thank you that, that you've brought us into his kingdom. Thank you for your grace that's allowed us to respond to Jesus, to be saved by him. And Father, help us to just see the privilege that it is to be involved in that, to be able to be used by Jesus, to extend his kingdom, to be involved in things that last forever. Father, these things we pray with thankful hearts. Amen. Friends, we're going to have one more song.